You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Food for Thought series in which we unpack some of the big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and stimulate lively discussion about food. We'll be discussing healthy school food and food literacy advocacy with Carolyn Webb, coordinator of the Ontario Edible Education Network at Sustain Ontario. Welcome, Carolyn. Thanks so much, Peggy. It's really great to be here today. I'm so glad to have you. Carolyn, what is Sustain Ontario and what does it do? Yeah, so Sustain Ontario's full name is Sustain Ontario, the Alliance for Healthy Food and Farming, which describes it a fair bit. Um, It's an organization that's built up to house networks and create a space for people across the food system, really, to come together, to connect and work with each other and to do shared advocacy for stronger food systems. Wow, what a great group. And I love the word um, sustain in there. It's something that's on all of our minds these days and what a broad spectrum that you're putting a lot of attention into networks and food and families and farming and Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network is part of your work. What's the mandate of this initiative? Yes, the Edible Education Network is considered a network of Sustain Ontario and the focus is to um, bring together groups and individuals to share resources, ideas, experience and work together on advocacy relating really to kids and good food. So to make it easier for people across Ontario to get children and youth eating, growing, cooking, celebrating, and learning about healthy, local, and sustainably produced food wherever possible. So how we do that is, you know, we host webinars, we connect people together, share inspiring stories, and create support for that shared advocacy. What a wonderful mission, because we can never start too early. We're starting to understand a little bit more about the legacy of food and the choices we make today and what it means for tomorrow. So great resources then, I'm sure, for teachers and homeschoolers and families and just people really interested in reliable information on food and where to find out more from really cool people connected in the networks. So really, really great that Sustain Ontario has the Ontario Edible Education Network. And you're provincially coordinated coordinated as an organization, Carolyn, but you work really closely with local programs. And why is this important? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the local level is where we see so many opportunities and challenges. It's where the work plays out on the ground. It's where relationships are built. And I mean, schools are local. Schools do their their work in their local communities and where children and youth can witness and be a part of programs where they can eat the good food, meet their farmers and other food providers. And really, that's where local food systems come to life and relationships are so much at the heart of building our local food systems. And so while it is a provincial network, it all comes back to those local situations and contexts and strengthening all of those relationships and and communities and food systems on the ground. Right. And there is, you know, no community is the same. You know, we might all be in Ontario, but what's happening in the North is very different than what might be happening in the southernest part of Southwestern Ontario and the composition, urban or rural, and also just the makeup of the community. But I think it's also really wonderful because really great ideas start somewhere. And in many ways, uh, the local communities are doing just that. There's all these innovative things happening to solve problems or create a better world. Going the other way, Carolyn, you also help to lead the Canada-wide coalition for healthy school food. How does a national lens help or limit your provincial and local initiatives? Yeah, thanks, Peggy. And um, everything that you said about the local context really resonates so much with me as well. But yeah, the national level, 
I would say no limiting. Having a national perspective can see so much of different policy contexts, different curriculum expectations and situations, and just what's been possible in different provinces or territories that we can learn from and then advocate for in different settings. Also see a lot of knowledge sharing and really interesting collaboration. So at this you know, national scale, I often get to tap into or lead conversations that aren't possible at the provincial level because of the numbers or the funding sources reflect nationally. So I find it supports what I do here locally in the province and just lets more ideas percolate and more conversations and relationships come to the table. So a real nationally coordinated and integrated approach, but as we're coordinating in the province locally, nationally, they're communicating with provinces. So we get that integrated, coordinated lens. And again, really able to mobilize things that are important to Canadians as far as healthy school food. And can you give us an example of a project or an initiative that you work on with the Coalition for Healthy School Food? The National Coalition has three mandate areas, one to do national advocacy relating to funding for a national school food program. The second is to support provinces and territories in action to have them come to the table, invest more and work with the federal government. And the third is to do local um, networking and relationship building and knowledge sharing. I mean, one of the biggest successes that we've seen is at the federal level with the Liberal Government of Canada in their election um, platform, they put forward a commitment of $1 billion over five years for school food programs and to develop a national school food policy. And that has been made a piece of two federal mandate letters, the Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food and the Minister of um, Families, Communities and Social Development. And so um, that's not a, a local level story, but it's a really big thing that will impact all of the provinces and territories and local level programs. If we can see all that funding come to the, the great work happening. Wow, that's great. And we're going to talk more about the Ontario election coming up, which is not disconnected to what's happening federally, particularly with the school food programs, especially with this $1 billion and uh, trying to see how that might help people and help people understand what it means for their communities or schools or local food programs. You know, often we can think, well, what can I do? Not only in the world, but locally and you know, even our own communities with hunger and uh, food waste and those things. But it's so nice to know that coming Coming together either through the coalition or the edible education network or sustain Ontario's uh, broader affiliates that we do see action and things like a billion dollars over five years from the federal government is really something and so I think it helps us see that a message can be delivered and change is possible. We've talked a lot about schools and we've talked a lot about food. We'll talk more about the Ontario election that's coming up after the break. But how does Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network connect in with farmers and other agri-food experts in the development of the programs and network? Yeah, that's a great question. So we work with and try to involve folks from across the food system. And of course, this includes farmers and other food providers. At the same time, we know that farmers are so busy producing our food and often don't have the time for calls that aren't directly related. So I find the most work that I end up doing with farmers is when we connect directly with schools who are really looking to source more local food. And um, so we help schools understand, you know, how they can connect with farmers in their region and increase their local procurement. So that might be whether they can start up a conversation at a local market with a farmer and start to ask about, you know, the food cycle and how to um, invest more and, and procure more from the farmer themselves or farmer visits or just ways that they can connect. A lot of schools are quite interested in increasing their local procurement. And a lot of that will come down to developing those personal relationships. We also sometimes host webinars or uh, develop resource sheets or guides on how to make those connections. So I'd say there's less work directly and more with trying to enable schools to support those relationships and procurement opportunities. 
What a valuable resource that you don't have to start from zero. Here's how we found some successful actions in connecting in on buying local healthy school food. And as you say, farmers are so busy, uh, not just now, all year long, not just because it's planting, the next thing comes, but they're super busy all year round. But how great to have the Ontario Edible Education Network to be able to help connect people in, in a way that we already know that's successful because it's worked elsewhere. That's great. And you're right, you know, schools are looking to purchase local and also we're starting to see see more interest in um, uniquely public purchasing in food. The United Nations just put out a very large report on uh, public purchasing in the food sector. So very interesting. But what are some of the biggest challenges to food programming and curricula in Ontario schools? Yeah, that's a big question, Peggy. And, um, and yet some consistent themes have come up since I started this work almost a decade ago. Um, wow. People often talk about the lack of infrastructure being a big challenge in schools. And what we mean is that many schools don't have kitchens, especially elementary schools, and that's kitchens to prepare food or to engage um, students in learning how to prepare food. Many don't have a space for gardens or for people coming in for the school food or student nutrition programs to prepare healthy the meals or snacks. And without infrastructure, you often have to go with prepackaged food or figure out some other approaches. You don't really need a multi-million dollar kitchen. You can make do with um, some basic infrastructure, but often that doesn't even exist. So that's a challenge. There is often a lack of paid time for this work. Food doesn't appear at all within the education system as a mandate of the Ministry of Education. And so it's not paid for by most people. There are no school food coordinators except for you know, some boards have created some positions and some exist in other ways, but it's not really a standardized thing. And there's also a big lack of knowledge by teachers until now. Food literacy hasn't been named in the curriculum and teachers have not been trained to teach it. Uh, now we're seeing some new food literacy expectations in the revised uh, science and technology curriculum, which is really exciting, but still no one is really trained to teach food literacy. And so that lack of professional development and training and um, knowledge by teachers has been another big challenge. So those are some hurdles definitely to overcome. And I know that the March 8th announcement by Minister, at the time, Minister Lecce was really, really well received and Ontario curriculum grades one to eight will have hands-on food literacy in some way, but it needs to be supported now with, as you say, infrastructure and training. And uh, I kind of like the Ontario Indigenous education model where there is a dedicated individual, every school board to support those initiatives. And I think that that would be wonderful in Ontario to have, whether that be a home economy a registered dietitian or a f- another food expert qualified a food educator that could really help the boards mobilize all of the things, which is a healthy future generation, kids that can focus in school because they're nourished and so, so much yet to come. So how wonderful Sustain Ontario and Ontario's Edible Education Network is advocating not only provincially, nationally and locally. So you must have really had some incredibly rewarding experiences in the work that you do. You say now over a decade. And can you tell us one of the most touching moments that you've had working with students or schools? I mean, one warm story is coming out of a full day event that I was helping. And one of the teachers who attended, he was actually about to fly back to Ottawa where I live, but he just said, Carolyn, I need to stop you and just say, this was the best event I've ever been at in my life. And I just learned so much and made so many connections and I'm really well set up now to do this work. So thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful. And I think that there's more yet to come, more best efforts yet to come Mm -hmm. because you've got so many great things programmed. Thank you, Carolyn. And after the break, we're 
going to find out more from Carolyn Webb with Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network about topics to address with your MPP candidates as you make your final decision for the June 2nd election. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Carolyn Webb with Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network. Carolyn, June 2nd, a provincial election will be held, and you and your associates across the province have been tirelessly advocating for continued support and funding for school food programs and food literacy in the Ontario curriculum. Can you tell us about your activities? Yeah, I can say that um, one of the really exciting things that came about is that in, I believe it was 2020, when MPP Daryl Cramp, in collaboration with the Kingston Lennox and um, Addington Frontenac Food Policy Council, but um, they worked with MPP Daryl Cramp to develop a uh, private member's bill called the Food Literacy for Students Act that was introduced in the Ontario legislature and set up whole sequence of events forward. So the bill was really putting forward that the Education Act be changed to make it so that food literacy is a mandatory part of grades one to 12 curriculum and that um, students needed to learn how to prepare, grow, and engage with food in their food system. And as a result of that, a lot of people started really thinking of it and some of the specific changes as we've seen, I shared before the break that um, food literacy is now a part of the science and technology curriculum and it is named in a number of specific expectations there that teachers will get to teach in the fall. So those have been a number of pieces and now we're working together. Um, we have a number of asks for pre- for election candidates and yeah, we're just asking for folks to bring forward more food opportunities to teach food literacy in the curriculum and some more funding for school food programs. So um, my role has really been to bring those conversations together with people, see what kind of tools and messages we want to share and then put them out so that we can all work together to um, encourage our candidates to, to speak out for school food and commit to food literacy and, and school food programs. That's a, a really great, I think, inspiring message right now. You're right. October 2020, MPP Daryl Cramp put forward the private members bill. And here we are in uh, May 2022. So things do take a little bit of time, but change is possible. Great things coming in the Ontario curriculum in September 2022, but it needs to be supported supported and there is more to do. And Sustain Ontario and the Ontario Edible Education Network have some resources for people who might be interested on where do they even start to tell their MPP what it is that they are interested in. And can you tell us where can people get more information, Carolyn? Yeah, great places. Every campaign uh, period, Sustain Ontario runs what we call the Vote on Food campaign. And it's a series of uh, election questions that folks can ask their candidates on different themes, including, you know, agriculture and in our case, food literacy. So if you do a search for Sustain Ontario, vote on food, it should come up. There's a great postcard that can be used across all the issues and then a segment on school food programs where you can access information. We have a pre-election toolkit with some messaging and also some key asks for candidates. Okay, really easy to remember and easy to find. Sustain Ontario, vote on food, and you'll find lots of resources and things that'll start a conversation and really help move things forward for the leaders and citizens of the future, our our children today. So moving back then to the Ontario curriculum, Carolyn, why should Ontarians support food literacy as part of the school food curriculum? 
Well, you know that food literacy is about knowing where our food comes from, about how to grow and prepare and source foods that support our health and well-being, and how to ask critical questions about our food system, including food access, social determinants of health, as you spoke to environmental aspects, and just so much more. So our food system supports so much of our economic system, our community's health, our personal health, the health of our planet. And we've just considered it to be so important for students to learn about all those connections and how they can be an active part of the food system, as well as learn those critical skills of being able to source and prepare food to support their own health and well-being. I mean, food isn't just a nice to have. We need food. And food is also such a great connector. Through food, people create relationships and feel a sense of belonging in their community. It's such a fantastic enabler and is so important for our bodies. And so it has such an impact on our health and the world around us. We really think, yeah, that food literacy needs to be a part of our curriculum across the whole level of grades from K to 12. Right. I couldn't agree more. And the two basic purposes of public education is citizenship and employment. And so living your best life is very much connected to food and literacy. And so many positions are coming up and available. There's shortages in the agri-food sector. So really, really, really important. And what specific types of commitments should listeners be asking of their MPPs regarding hands-on food literacy in Ontario? Yeah. One of our big asks is, well, Bill 216, the Food Literacy for Students Act was not passed because the Ontario legislature legislature was probed, we would love for it to be reintroduced and for the Ontario government to commit in investing in food literacy education. And that includes reintroducing and passing the bill, establishing and expanding school food granting programs, investing in teacher training, and then supporting community-based partners that um, provide food education in schools. And the infrastructure piece that I spoke to earlier is huge. And so can we provide some infrastructure grants to support um, kitchens and garden facilities, both in the schools as well as ones in the communities that schools can access or that can provide food to the the schools for school food programs or that students could visit to learn food skills. There's so many great school community connections that can be made. And then some of the asks also relate to school food and student nutrition programs. For instance, increasing Ontario's annual investment in the program. We haven't seen an annual investment in quite a number of years. And we know that there are so many, um, you know, rising food costs and greater demand for the program in light of COVID. We're also encouraging um, that the government consult with Indigenous nations and leaders to provide additional funding to Indigenous nations and communities in Ontario relating to school food initiatives. And then to prepare to accept matched funding from the federal government, because uh, with that billion dollar commitment, you know, Ontario needs to be ready to accept that and develop a cost program. Lots of things to keep in mind as we are uh, looking forward to June the 2nd. And Carolyn, all of the things that you just mentioned are available on the Sustain Ontario Vote Food, or this show is archived on the 980 CFPL, Food for the Future. You could go back and re-listen to the show and make your points when you want to get a hold of your MPP. And this show is called Food for the Future. Why is Healthy School Food, well-funded programs, and food literacy an important part of our future? We see food as being just such a great way to set children and youth up for a lifetime of healthy eating. If they can grow food, prepare food, choose food to accommodate a budget and know, you know, which foods can support their health 
as I said, a lifetime of healthy eating and greater health and well-being. As we talked about, you know, there are environmental implications, economic implications. School food is such a way to support our food system and communities, including the economic health. You spoke to that UN Food and Agriculture Organization report on local procurement. And one of the things it was saying is it's such a huge lever for economic well-being and that there's such an opportunity for greater environmental health, health and well-being of all the people around us. And if we can, you know, support a new generation to learn more about food literacy, where food comes in and what role it can play in all of our lives and how to engage with it, going to lead to such a stronger future and more resilient future for all of us. Right. And remaining steadfast, and it may take a little while, but change is possible. And we have seen some movement on the dial and we all need to just keep going together. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Not much. Just a big thanks to everybody who has been doing this advocacy for so many years. Many of the successes we're seeing are because of tireless communication and commitment from many, many, many people who have been saying that, you know, food for our kids and food literacy learning is essential and just feel really optimistic right now that, you know, we're moving the dial. We're seeing these changes happen to achieve a stronger future. Excellent. Right. right. And coming together and advocating and distributing the workload, remaining optimistic that things don't have to be the way that they are and that we can keep going together. Thank you, Carolyn, for our conversation today. I'm, I'm really uplifted by all the dedication and results that you, your team and all of your partners show. Thanks so much, Peggy. It was really, really great to be here. It's wonderful having you. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Carolyn Webb, coordinator of Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Carolyn Webb, coordinator of Sustain Sustain Ontario's Edible Education Network. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What are your MPP candidates' commitments to healthy school food and literacy? Something to do? Visit SustainOntario.com to find out more about the 2022 Vote on Food campaign to share with your networks and MPP candidates. And attend Sustain Ontario live streamed event on May 26th from noon to 1 p.m. to hear statements from several parties on, if elected, their commitments to healthy school food and literacy. Next week on the show, it's the Waste Not series. We'll discuss recycling yard waste and composting with Jim Graham, CEO of Try Recycling. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.